you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. He turns, he fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Back to Bibby, has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me today, Fox 40, Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you? Well, I'm pretty terrific. Just was outside. Looks like a beautiful, beautiful day. Starting to warm up a little bit, although it just doesn't feel like summer quite yet. But uh, I don't know. I feel like... uh, I, I'm it's gonna happen like right when I'm on my way I'm gonna have a nice weekend in Southern California very much looking forward to it so all right I get to spend some time with you fellas all right and of course uh joining us as well Brendan Nunes from the King's Pulse podcast Brendan how are you I am doing well another Let's day in the life Oakland I was gonna say uh shout out to A's fans obviously going through a lot and I wanted to ask you James at the reverse boycott what was what was the energy like in the building um it was pretty crazy i gotta be honest it was it was it was wild um you know i've been an A's fan since i was a little kid so it was it was sad i i think like right in the beginning of the game i got a little uh, got a little emotional uh and then that the fifth inning when it went silent and then sell the team chance came up like maybe a minute later into the silence that was pretty powerful um, but this is what happens when you have bad ownership and bad leadership and, uh, bad leadership in the, in major league baseball. And it's just a, it's a sad day for Oakland for sure. It, it was, it was wild though. And then it took two hours to get to BART, which was, I mean, to get from BART to, to get on the BART and then get to where we had parked. So that was another, it, just, it was a long day, but I did, I was walking down the, the corridor and I look up and who's walking towards me, but Mark Spears. So I got to <laughs> say hey, hello to Mark Spears. I ran into one of my old editors at NBC who's no longer there. Um, I ran, ran into Kyle Madsen. So strangely enough, in a building with 28,000 people, I ran into people I knew all over the place, which was very strange. Uh, but yeah, sad day. Uh, and it was fun to be there with my son. 
he he said at one point he's like i'm really glad we came into this and i'm like yeah me too um my little dude had other things going on so he didn't join us but uh me and the big boy came down with one of his buddies and some and their and his parents so uh, yeah uh pretty somber think, uh... way to start the the pod but go ahead yeah do, do you think you you guys will make any other return trips down before it's all uh i mean look i i'm i'm of the belief just because of what we've been through with sacramento and certainly you know all the i's are dotted and t's are crossed essentially for them to make their way to vegas but you know um uh being a lifelong giants fan where my first year my first baseball game was an a's an a's game and i definitely don't want to see that team leave the bay but i just i i I don't know, kind of feel like there might be a glimmer of hope somehow just because of how inept that uh, ownership group is and how awful uh, the baseball commissioner has been to the Oakland uh, East Bay region. And um, so I, I, I there's a part of me that just doesn't want to believe it. But uh, and, and also, I just think that that uh, that site in, in Vegas now they could very much go to Vegas for whatever reason. I just don't feel I just can't believe that that's going to be the location. I've been at that intersection. I've stayed at the Tropicana. Um, it's such a gridlock area, especially with the airport right there. Um, you can't convince me that that's a, the best place in Vegas to put the ballpark. But that being said, I just I wonder if 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 you'll go back. I mean, A's obviously still be here for uh, a few years at that dump of a baseball stadium, and uh, wonder if you'll go back. Uh, I won't. Uh, I got to be honest, like the, the second that it's official that the that Major League Baseball, the, you know, the owners vote and if they vote for them to relocate, I'm pretty much done. I think I'm done with the sport. Um, like it just puts such a bitter taste in your mouth because it's blatant incompetence. That's like all of them, like the ownership uh, has been incompetent for years, putting a guy like Dave Cavall out there is just an embarrassment. I hope that that guy like has a, a long career with the A's wherever they go, because I don't think he could be hireable anywhere else. You know, he's just such a, a horrific, horrific, like a, how they, they called him in the, uh, one of the the hearings, they called him a bobblehead, a talking bobblehead. Um, just an embarrassment. Uh, he's, you know, all of this has been disingenuous. He's been a snake oil salesman the whole time um fisher just like that's always been my complaint like look you you're a steward of a of a franchise and like i don't even know how well he was vetted to come in and be the owner there but it doesn't feel like it was very well and he doesn't have the money to do the stadium in in oakland uh they tried to do some ridiculous like 12 billion dollar project which was just never going to happen because there's no way he was going to come up with all the money and uh, for me, it's just it's really shameful how Major League Baseball has let down a community. And let's be honest, like one of the most diverse communities in in the league. And you're just going to up and and leave a community like that. So I hope, uh, number one, that uh, city of Oakland kicks their bum asses out at the end of the year and doesn't allow them to stay in the, the Coliseum any longer. Just just go ahead and tear it down and and go build whatever you're going to build there. Um, but like, don't let them finish out their, their lease is up. So don't let them finish out. Uh, and then number two, I, I really hope that Vivek Ranadive does the right thing and doesn't look at the city of Sacramento as an option because that would be really, really hypocritical to take a team that is relocating and give them a, 
a safe spot to play for a couple of years. Like, unless you have a guarantee from Major League Baseball that if you prove up something that they're going to give you an expansion franchise, then there's no reason to do it. Because that guy right there, a John Fisher, whether he's a friend of a Vex or not, he's just a horrific professional sports owner. And he has no business being anywhere near a franchise, just like the Maloofs have no business being anywhere near a franchise. Congrats to the Maloofs for winning the NHL Stanley Cup. But no, no business being around professional franchise. The way they handled their business here, you know, so... Yeah, I, I won't go back, uh, and I'll, I'll and I don't want to give Major League Baseball my money to pay for an out of base uh, an out of uh, town package, and I don't want to watch the Giants because I hate the Giants because I, that's the way I was raised. So, <laughs> hey man, the water's warm. You could join the Giants bandwagon. I know. Thank you. That water's pretty icy cold right now. It is really cold. It's it's like unless somebody peed in that water, it's not very warm, Sean. <laughs> warm spot. Um. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 there's, I, I get it. I, I mean, I, I totally get it. I, I would say though, I mean, you know, if Vivek Ranadive stepped in, and let's just say this is a hash pipe, uh, kind of <laughs> idea, but if he was somehow able to bring the A's to Sacramento, I, I feel like that's second best compared to remaining in Oakland. I think that and would if, be okay. I'm okay. And with if that. there's, if there's no pathway of staying in Oakland, or whether it be Vivek or Vivek part of an ownership group with with whoever else uh, you know obviously Joe Lacob and and that that whole thing has been bandied about forever and uh, I I just don't see it I hope I mean it would be nice I think it would be probably the the part that that frustrates me is is what's the relocation fee if any going to be and if they waive a relocation fee that's that's quite astounding and I think if uh, I'm an owner in Major League Baseball. I'd have a problem with that because that money is supposed to go into my pocket and the A's have been an outright embarrassment to major league baseball. And now you're going to go to Vegas. Yeah. And now you're going to go to Vegas and I'm not going to see any uh, benefit of that. Nah. Relocation fees are around a billion dollars, right? For, or excuse me, not relocation fees, but uh, expansion fees, at least in major league baseball for the cities that are being rumored to be, you know, Nashville, Charlotte, um, Portland, Salt Lake city, a billion dollars is the starting gate for relocation or for expansion fee. So relocation better be in that ballpark. And if it is, Hey, John Fisher, you need some help because if you needed upwards of $400 million to try to keep your stadium to, to, to get help to build your stadium in Vegas, that's money that Oakland would have uh, loved to have seen to see you build in, uh, in the East Bay. Yeah, no, they're, uh, they're saying they're going to waive the relocation fee as long as it's a private partner, uh, public private partnership i don't believe it yeah like there's so many there's so many i would if i'm the city of oakland i would sue on that alone if you're gonna waive the relocation fee and how much are you sticking with the city of oakland afterwards right And, and it's just to me again i know this is a king's podcast but there's so many connections to the nba and, and oh, yeah. to the kings and what they've gone through so uh, I think any Kings fan can certainly have a soft spot in their heart for what A's fans are having to go through and really what they've had to go through for the past decade or so. It's uh, it's tragic. Yeah. I mean, there are more player to be named later jerseys in the crowd than anything else or Ricky Henderson jerseys. Like you, you just can't, you can't be an Oakland A's fan and go to a game and buy a Jersey of a player because you know, he won't be there in a year or two. I mean, even like Matt Chapman is in the MVP race uh marcus simeon was in the mvp race they tried to give him a a 10 
what a one-year contract worth uh, eleven million dollars that they would pay out pay out over ten years. Like, what kind of broke-ass bitch stuff is that? Like, what in the world? So, just an embarrassment, an embarrassment to Major League Baseball, and and um, and again, Rob Manfred is an embarrassment to Major League Baseball that he's allowed something like this to happen, and, and they they basically just keep giving them their 30 to $50 million every year as a welfare team and letting that guy not even run a payroll up to that. So yeah, sad day. Um, okay. If you're, if you're here on, uh, watching on YouTube, uh, give us thumbs up, uh, subscribe to the channel. Um, welcome into the Kings beat podcast. Uh, sorry, we got a little sidetracked with A's news. Um, but it's very topical. It's, uh, I'm very passionate about it because, uh, I was a big part of the here we stay, uh, group here in Sacramento, when the team tried to, when Sacramento Kings tried to relocate in both 2010 and then again in 2013. Um, so uh, like I, I have a soft spot in my heart for it, but also because of, I've, I've always been an A's fan. And so it's been a crappy couple of days, but, uh, but it was an event I'm glad I went to and everything else. Um, but we got all kinds of weird and crazy and wild King stuff to talk about today. Um, and uh, so we'll just start with that. Um the, the latest news is that the Sacramento Kings are a potential suitor for Bradley Beal and his gigantic, that's with a gigantic G, a huge G uh, contract. Um, just uh, coming out of the gates, we'll start with Brendan. Um, there's just, uh, we just saw it uh, hit on, uh, on Wednesday afternoon here. Is it Wednesday? It's Thursday. On Thursday, uh, from Shams, him and Sam Amick reporting that the Kings are uh, potential suitors and that Bradley Bill would actually be interested in joining the Sacramento Kings, which I think all of that needs unfolding. So, Brandon, what are your first thoughts? The first thing that stands out to me is the latter portion there, the wording from Shams and Sam's is it believed it's believed Beal would consider Sacramento given his no trade clause. Um, and it does continue, but right now there does not appear to be a clear pathway for the two sides, but this is a place where one of the better players in the league, a guy that's averaged 20 plus for the last seven years, by the way, um, if there's one thing Bradley Beal can do, it's score the crap out of the ball in a variety of ways. Um, but he would be willing to come to Sacramento when he has, at least that's what it seems here, um, when he has his free will to choose whatever with this no trade clause that is uh, just not seen that often in today's NBA. So I think first thing that stands out to me, just initial thought is people want to come to Sacramento now. And hmm. when's the last time you could say that, gentlemen? Uh, it's been a while. Sean, what do you well, got? Of course he does. Of course he does. Um, they are a fun basketball team. They have a head coach that's very well respected and liked within this league who's just one coach of the year. They've got a player who makes everybody better and Damanis Sabonis, who's an all-star. Got De'Aaron Fox, who's a budding star, who just made his first all-star team. And they play equal opportunity offense and they need some defensive presence. And he's a, quite a willing defender. And uh, as Brendan mentioned, he's a uh, absolute bucket. So, yeah, man, and he fits, he checks a lot of boxes for them. So he's the guy that... Uh, when we were talking in the offseason last year, he's always been a guy that I'm like, hey, Bradley Beal, <laughs> go go get him. Uh, he's a guy who would fit, I think, very, very nicely in Sacramento. It uh, stands to reason why I can I think that they'd be interested in him. 
um, not sure what it would take to, 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 to get him. He's been with Washington his whole career and uh, it hasn't gone well there. I mean, certainly he's been an all-star he's made a name for himself, but it hasn't translated into success. So he definitely is at a part in his career where I think it's the right time for him to join other people that could um, hopefully be able to punch through and, and sustain some postseason success. Um, not to say he hasn't played with some good talent, but it just hasn't worked. So uh, I think it, it him coming in and being a number two, number three kind of type of player, um, I think his number one days are probably behind him, but not too far behind him. Um, but just a, a really solid, solid, solid player with still all-star capabilities and uh, um, whatever pathway it would take to, to get him is one I'd certainly be interested in and looking at. And I think uh, – I know James, you probably have probably mashed some numbers and figured out scenarios. Uh, it's probably not. It'll be one that wouldn't be the most pretty um, to Kings fans because I think there's some moments where you'd have to kind of cringe. But yeah, you kind of have to spend money to make money in this league, and uh, he'd be one willing to uh, break the bank for, in my opinion. Yeah, um, he's interesting. And so let's let's hit, hit a couple of things. He turns 30 in a couple of days, um, so that's one thing. Um, he's not a young guy. Uh, but that's okay. The Kings are are built with a bunch of young players and they've got plenty of youth on this roster. Uh, number two, his contract is obscene. So uh, the 2023-24 season, he will make $46.7 million. In 2024-25, 50.2. In 25-26, 53.7. And in 26-27, he has a player option i believe blue is player option for 57.1 million dollars uh that's a lot of cash he's a three-time all-star um i think like first of all i think he's a great fit in the backcourt next to De'Aaron fox he's a very good passer he's a good rebounder um he's not a knockdown three-point shooter but he is still a really good three-point shooter I think if you let him play off ball a little bit more than he's had to uh, during his time in Washington, you could probably see that three-point percentage go up. Um, yeah, the, there is a pathway. I don't know if it's a pathway that the the Wizards would like jump on board with, um, but from like just some basic uh, mathematics stuff, uh, and and this like people shouldn't like throw rocks at me here because. Um, the Kings only have like seven players under contract. So there's only a certain cup. There's only a few ways that you could do this. They're not going to trade Sabonis. They're not going to trade Fox. And I would even say they're not going to trade Keegan Murray. So outside of that, how do you get him to Sacramento and a deal where you sent Rashawn Holmes, Kevin Herter, Davion Mitchell, and multiple first round picks actually works financially. And it works because um, the Kings have the ability to waive the cap hold for Harrison Barnes and make him, uh, and, and just basically waive his Larry Bird rights and become a, a true uh, cap team and absorb the extra money that would come with, uh, with uh, a player like Bradley Beal. And then they could go back and use something like the mid-level exception they could use the biannual exception. They could use all of their other exceptions to go out and actually build a team outside of that. Um, but they could absorb, especially all they'd have to do, I believe, is wave probably Terrence Davis, Alex Lynn, 
uh, Harrison Barnes rights. They could even keep a guy like Trey Lyles rights because from my math, they have like 23 million in cap space if they did all of that. Um, so you would still have some ability to absorb, um, absorb Bradley Bill in, uh, into your cap space. So I don't know. Uh, my first instinct is it's a gamble, but you got a big three and you got a legit big three with a, a potential of Harris. I mean, if, uh, if Keegan Murray like steps up to his potential to become a big four. And to me, that, that would be really, really intriguing. And, like the way you'd have to like if you're gonna trade your 2026 or your 2028 draft picks, you got to go to the the Hawks and just basically hand them your 2024 first round pick, pull all the protections off of it, and then you would have the ability to trade 2023 after you make the pick, trade 2026, uh, 20, trade 2028. You could even go trade 2030. You can do whatever you want uh, with those things. And if you think you're gonna be a good team. Why not? Because those picks, really, if you're going to be a really, really good team, they're going to be in the 20s and have a lot less value than a typical Sacramento Kings pick. So all that makes sense? Yeah, I mean, offensively, obviously, he's a ridiculous fit. I, I think playing off of Domas and De'Aaron and in this free-flowing system would just enable him a lot. The 36% he shot from three, like you mentioned him, his three-point shooting numbers aren't great. Um, but if you look at like catch and shoot last year, 40%, I think within the flow of the offense, he is a knockdown three point shooter when he's not doing all this self-creation stuff. Um, offensively he's ridiculous. And if you're just replacing him with Kevin Herter in that starting lineup, that is a defensive upgrade. I don't know how substantially, um, but yeah, I do think that is an improvement on the defensive end over Kevin Herter. Um, to me, it's just like, how many picks are we talking about here with those other guys? Because Beal is, you know, two months from 30, that player option that's 57 million in the last year of 2026, 27 um, is his year 33 could still be a very valuable player at that point, but that's a far way in the future. And there's a lot of questions involved with that. Um, and there's still a no trade clause that Sacramento would be taking on as well, which I think is a layer of this conversation that if you wanted to reroute him again down the line, that's just an added complication in doing so. Um, I, I'm really I just don't know how many picks we're really talking about here. Restrictions on the ones down the line because those are so far removed and a lot of risk involved there. So it, to me, it's just how many are we really talking about? Hmm. Sean, what, what is too many? Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> probably two. I mean, I, you know, like honestly, um, you know, salary, the salary part doesn't really this sounds funny and it's probably because it's not my money, but uh, like, look what it takes to remain competitive in the NBA these days. I mean, you have teams that are paying hundreds of millions of dollars in luxury tax. Um, and with everything going up, you just saw an, an NBA head coach get a player contract, like a really good player contract and what Monty mm -hmm. Williams got with, uh, with Detroit. So the fact that somebody's going to make $57 million at the age of 33. So, like so, I think what it would what it would mean is, hey, Sacramento uh, Kings, are you are you potentially um, okay with being a luxury tax type team to continue to be successful in the NBA? And I think that's a that's a tough question for a lot of teams to have to answer, especially the Kings. And um, I'm not so sure that they are. But what happens in those two years before he turns 33? 
you know, if, if in this hypothetical situation, if Bradley Beal became a member of the Kings, um, do they have a Western Conference Finals appearance in, in 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 those two years? And if they do, well, then absolutely, who cares? Like at that point, who cares? But if you struggle to be a, an eighth seed, a seventh seed, play in tournament type of team, well, then it's gone horrifically wrong. And uh, at that point, your team probably isn't willing to be one of those teams. So um, there's some, there's some, it, uh, look, I think the one thing we've learned about uh, this ownership group and this, especially with this uh, front office group is that they like to kind of attach themselves to a lot of different possibilities. Um, mm-hmm. it, there's a lot of things that could shake out as a result of a Bradley Beal trade to X team and possibly have the Kings be a benefactor somehow, some way, or um, find out ways that can make themselves better. Or um, maybe this kind of holds up. This might be that cog, even though it's not a free agency type move. Um, this could be one of those moves that maybe clog the, the, the off season a little bit, like we've seen in years past uh, with sometimes needing a free agent to sign before. <laughs> so what did he get before all these other kind of teams fall in line with what, uh, with the, with the, the wake of those moves. So um, I don't know. I don't know that it's going to have that appeal. I I honestly don't expect Bradley Beal to be a King, but I I, I like to entertain it here because I do think he would be the type of player you would really want to add if you're a Kings fan or if you're in that front office because of the the boxes that he checks. Okay. So I'm just going to run through this really quick. Uh, 2023, 24, the cap is, is 134 million with a luxury tax of 162. We go up to 140.7 with a $170 million luxury tax, uh, 147.7, 155, 163, 171. And the luxury tax in 2028-29 is all the way up to $206 million. So you're going to have to pay Fox. You're going to have to pay Sabonis. You're going to eventually have to pay uh, Monk. Down the road, you're going to have to pay Keegan Murray. You are going to have to put out some money. But for right now, I, I think you could find a way to money ball your way around some of the other positions. Once you've got uh, a star level, another star level player in place. And like, look, I, I think he makes him, I think he actually makes him a title contender, like a title contender. And that's crazy to say that Sacramento Kings could be a title contender moving forward, but that's what a move like that does. And like, I think even a move for a guy, like if somehow you can get an OG and I think you're a title contender, but you're not, you might not be a top tier title contender. You're in the conversation. And, you know, we just saw how things can go wonky in the playoffs and how teams like, you know, the Heat, who weren't considered a title contender and could make it all the way to uh, to the finals. Uh, but I, I still think that this would be one of those moves that, um, again, it, it makes sense because this is how McNair grew up doing business you trade for superstars and you figure everything else out afterwards. And, you know, you get as many of them as you can around you. I just, I'm not touching Sabonis. I'm not touching De'Aaron Fox. And, and I don't think the Kings would uh, consider trading Keegan Murray in any of these moves, Uh, but it's still food for thought, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't think Keegan should be considered in this at all. And, And I will say, I think that like you would still have notable decisions you needed to make even after the fact, like he doesn't solve your, starting wing forward that we've been talking about needing you know if if kevin herter is saying outgoing in that deal he just fills the spot for kevin herter you would still need another starter 
like figure out who else is going to be in that starting lineup and wing forward defense is still a concern that lies there. I get just getting the talent and Bradley Beal is one heck of a talent. Um, but there still would be a lot of questions after the fact. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think it's uh, it's going to be wild. This is, uh, but I think that this is what we're talking about here. This is what the Sacramento Kings are trying to do this off season. I don't think that they're going to be sitting on their hands. Um, you know, we hear the maintain and improve. Um, yeah, this is this is what we're talking about. Um, and we have this from our friend uh, Damian Barling. The Sacramento Kings are aggressively pursuing Toronto Raptors small forward OG Ananobi, sources tell uh, Damian. Um, game on. That's another one. Uh, I don't think there's a way to get Bradley Bill and OG Ananobi, but uh, I guess that's a, a, a different discussion. Who makes more sense? Uh, well, I mean whichever one costs least, I guess. I mean, I, I would probably bet on a little more on the Ananobi side just because of how uh, young, much younger he is and um, probably fits. But uh, and you obviously don't have the contractual obligation like you do with somebody like Bradley Beal. But um, yeah, I mean, look, they're going to go out there and kick the tires on all these guys. They're going to find, try to pathways. They're going to be aggressive. That's what they do. Um that's what led them to a guy like Demonis Sabonis. That's even if it meant dangling a guy like, you know, Tyrese Halliburton in the meantime to do it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's no surprise. I mean, these are, these are people that they, 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 they know who's available. They know what's, what's happening. They know that the Toronto Raptors have a brand new coaching staff and they didn't, they didn't unload everybody last at the trade deadline, you know, maybe looking to possibly, do some of that in the, uh, in the off season, but they're probably going to be very aggressive themselves and they're going to want, you know, they're going to want to, they're going to want talent back. So, I mean, there's some tough decisions that'll be have to be made. If you're going to go big bear hunting, you got to be prepared to, you know, sacrifice something you really, really value. Yeah. You got to be willing to get cut. I mean, that's, you know, you're going to go out there and go big bear hunting. Um, I, I gotta be honest. I, I like the combination of Kevin Herter and OG Ananobi more than I like Brad Bill and a big question mark. Um, but that's today because we don't know what that other position would look like, but does that make sense to you guys? Yeah. I mean, it, it depends also like what you're trading out for OG to, to Sean's point. It could you leave you with maybe some other void, like if Davion's part of the deal, which I know he'd technically be part of the Brad Beal deal possibly as well. Um, but that's a spot that you got to figure out then as well. OG's question obviously is, I think he's, a, he has a player option for 24, 25, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but he's expected to turn that down and, and go after a deal. So he's practically an expiring contract and, you know, maybe that changes it and, and makes you have to pay less to acquire him, but also obviously risk involved. And he's got a little bit of an injury history recently that caused some concern but i think when og's healthy he's the exact type of guy that sacramento needs to add to this team um and i do agree with your logic of like there, there's something to be said about also just keeping harder if you're trying to compare these two deals yeah yeah i mean I, kevin's under contract for a long time yeah so og makes uh 18.6 million um this coming season he's got a 19.9 million dollar player option but i think I, I did the math the other day and i believe 
the the thing with OG is how much is he worth? And I don't know what the exact answer to that question is, but you can do a an extension this summer with the idea that he's opting out at uh, twenty six point at well twenty six million bucks as a starting salary. And to me, that that's probably where OG Ananobi is as a player is twenty six, and then like twenty seven point something, twenty nine point something like the standard, it would be a contract, probably a five-year extension or four-year extension, probably in the neighborhood of like 110, 117 million bucks, something like that. So you can, you can do a trade and extend too. You can, you can make that as part of the deal that you're going to get an extension done with him. Um, But that would require you getting to a point where the deal is, is 98% done. And then the, Raptors give you permission to actually have conversations with him about a potential contract extension. So, I mean, again, that's, that's something that you're right, Brennan, you got to worry about, but it's not as big a concern because I don't think it's not like, because his and Sabonis's contract are very similar, but Sabonis is proving out to be like a 35 to $40 million a year player where I think OG is probably a state as a pretty solid step below. But a, a defensive genius and someone that I've like thought was a spectacular potential add to this team for a long time if he was available. He's one of my favorite potential ads if there was someone to go out and get. Now, does it give you the high-end ceiling? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I was like, we know. We know. Yeah, I've kind of said it a few times on here before, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm expecting a Brickhouse t-shirt with uh, OG Ananobi with like a like james sitting in a hammock or on one of his boats and just having a thought bubble of og and Obi in a king's uniform there it is <laughs> yeah i think we could do that <laughs> not that you're not that you're not just that's that's not a bad dream to have or a bad vision to have by the way it's um, i kind of co-signed to that yeah and i think with og the other thing is he's 26 oh is he 26 right. or is he 25 going on 26 um, he's in 25 going on 26 about a month yeah. away yeah, so he fits into that exact bubble of the rest of the team that's around that same age. And um, while like this might not be a deal that Toronto would like jump at, like something like Davion and uh, and Rashawn contractually works, and then yeah, and, but well, no, no, no. Then you would it would depend on how much you're giving up as far as draft capital. That's that's where that deal would like if you're going to do that deal, you could start there. Um, who knows who knows who knows uh this is the fun of it though right uh we got the the nba draft coming up on june 22nd um free agency starts on june 30th this year the official signings and stuff can't happen until you know a couple of days later um but i think we're it's like hold on to your hat moment here if you're in sacramento because it seems like the kings are are going to try to take that next step um so pretty exciting uh let's get to the other news of the week um bobby jackson is no longer with the sacramento kings franchise um he has moved on to uh uh oh have we lost brennan so it looks like brennan has moved on too oh no brennan <laughs> He's not is here a, for this bobby jackson discussion is He's a out, twirling man. circle on our <laughs> side i don't know about anyone else's side uh hopefully he pops Please. back here in just a sec um all right but yeah, Sean, let's start because uh, you actually caught up to him. Um, the news came out in a weird way. Like, well, I, I don't know if it's weird, but Mark Stein uh, broke the news in his newsletter. Uh, I was able to get confirmation relatively quick 
Um, but uh, Bobby Jackson has joined Nick Nurse's staff in Philadelphia. Um, what did you get from Bobby? Because uh, you caught up to him at a golf at a golf tournament. And is it uh, front of the bench, back of the bench? What is it? Oh, it's it's definitely front of the bench. Uh, this is a, it's not a lead assistant, but it'll be essentially the the next best thing to that. And uh, you know, he this is a this is a big you know financially um, for stature in the league, being at an NBA bench. Um, hopefully, we'll get Brendan back here in a second for the YouTube audience. Uh, we're gonna yeah. go without our thought our logos on there on the page for a minute but no i mean hopefully you know for him it's it's his ultimate goal is being an nba head coach and yeah the success that he had not only in the summer league uh with the kings after being an assistant coach there and then jumping to uh the stockton kings to be a head coach and to show what he was capable of and then lead them to a league best record uh even though they got um eliminated quite early in the playoffs uh it was a and that which is a single elimination game i should point out but yeah the, the, that's on the that's the trajectory he knew uh, that he took and he knew that you know in order to get that opportunity he's probably going to have to leave sacramento um so you know wasn't one that he was hoping to leave sacramento but certainly the when the opportunity became available um and he had had a great relationship with nick nurse over the past few years a, a resource that he was able to you know, pick his brain and someone who's had G league ties and, um, you know, remain in close contact with. So, um, it was, it was nice to, to catch up with him and, and hear him be honest about his situation. Um, but yeah, that's what the G league is for, man, to springboard you as not only a player coach, uh, administrator, uh, whatever executive trainer, however, you, whatever, whatever kind of uh, role that you have in the G league, it's always with the, with the notion that that there's a hope that you end up elevating to the NBA level. And uh, Bobby Jackson really wants to be a head coach in the NBA. And uh, this is his next, uh, the next step for him. And uh, you know, he gets to join Rico Hines. That'll be a fun group in mm -hmm. Philly with, uh, with uh, Nick nurse. They've got the MVP and Joel Embiid. Bobby said in our interview, he, he mentioned James Harden. We'll see if that, uh, uh, stay if, if that happens if if james harden remains a member of the sixers or not but he's joining a very good organization and uh there's a lot of excitement there yeah there's something there's a couple of things that that uh he said but um the biggest one um you know like he he had this uh he's had a relationship with nick nurse for a couple of years because nick nurse is someone who had gone to the g league level and worked his way up from the G, G League level to uh, to become an NBA head coach. And so they had had conversations about sort of that trajectory. I thought that was really interesting. And then I, I think the other thing is, I mean, you bring up the fact that, you know, he wants to be a head coach. I know like Doug Christie wants to be a head coach as well. And like for Doug to, to become a head coach, he might have to do the same thing. He might have to leave Sacramento and, and then come back because – well, again, he's a front of the bench uh, assistant in SAC. He's not, you know, the associate head coach, which is Jordy Fernandez, the offensive coordinator, which is Jay Triano. Like, so you're you're up there, but you're still, what's your role? And if you're going to prove out to be a head coach, you kind of have to show that you can do it at the G League level, or you've got to just really be one of those guys that everyone's been looking at as a potential head coach for a while. And whether Doug gets that opportunity or not, I'm not sure. Like, hopefully he does. 
uh, down the road, whether it's in SAC or somewhere else. But um, I think it, it's worth noting. And then the other thing, um, how much do you think it, it, maybe he mentioned this, maybe he didn't, but did the fact that Jordy Fernandez, uh, that he didn't get the Toronto job, did that kind of like close a door for Bobby on the Kings staff or was he stuck at the G league level? No, it was pretty much look, I mean, his, his deal was up and he'd be looking for uh, more opportunity and uh, you got to strike when the iron's hot, you've got, yeah. you know, opportunities around and you've got to seek them out. So um, it, it's, it's kind of like free agency in a way, like once the season ends, once your contract is coming up, you have to find your next move and, hopefully find yourself some leverage. And if remaining in Stockton was the, um, you know, was if, 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 if that was still on the table and I believe it was um, obviously financially, it's not going to have the same impact as it will be being on the front of a bench of the, of the Sixers who just put together a brand new brand spanking new coaching staff. And your contract is going to align with that new. Um, oh, <laughs> with that new head coach. Um as looks like oh. we're about to get our buddy Brendan back. I'm there back. Look at that. I'm back. He's back. Just had to run to the bathroom. I get it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, but what we were talking about was Bobby Jackson and whether or not, you know, Jordy not getting the Toronto job had any impact. And I don't think it did. I think um, the, the only opportunity there for him at the moment with the Kings um, was, was, was with the Stockton team. And, you know, to become a, a member of a coaching staff with Nick Nurse, who just took over the Sixers, and you get to align yourself with that contract, you have some longevity there, and you have the opportunity to, as he calls it, I mean, he, he thinks Nick Nurse is one of the best minds in basketball, and he feels he can learn a lot from him, uh, obviously bringing what he brings, and obviously teaming with somebody with like Rico Hines, who has the player development role so um, well um structured at this point um and has the familiarity himself with nick nurse with his first season and with that one season uh in toronto so just a lot of familiarity and it was just too good of a good too much of a good thing to pass up but it meant leaving sacramento behind and who knows what the future holds but he still thinks sacramento is his home even though he's a guy from north carolina spent 23 years in sacramento so he considers himself uh this he considers himself this 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 is home now so yeah almost half his life he's been in sacramento um, yeah, I, it, it's, uh, I'm happy for Bobby. Uh, you know, he's a good dude and he, he wants it. If that's what he wants, if he wants to go chase that and be a head coach, he's going to have to go out and branch out and add to his resume. And what he did in Stockton, I thought was spectacular. So, yeah. I mean, he, he had that team going the right way and, uh, did a really nice job there in, in Stockton. Um, to point that out, just to kind of, to your point, James, like, you had the the Luke Walton year uh, when he went over to Stockton, and then Luke gets um, dismissed. And but you're playing a certain style of ball that's supposed to emulate what you're doing at the at the NBA level. Mm-hmm. And then when you bring in somebody like Mike Brown, and it's it's quite different. Um, he has to now implement a new system with those players as well. And it's I thought he did, and, he, and that kind of correlated, like I said, to the success that they had uh, in the season. You know, having the best record in the G League, so or at least in that. Um, in that conference. So it was very, you know, kudos to him. And he did, he did a, he did a lot of work there and it wasn't trending that way in the beginning of the season. They, they really kind of had a lot of injuries and, and went through uh, some lulls there. And they, once they got healthy, they kind of uh, ramped it up a bit and really got going. Yeah. They're good. The beginning of the year was, was pretty bad. I forget the exact wording the GQ G uh, the G league uses, but 
whatever that first portion of the season is, it's not quite actually regular season yet. Um, they really struggled. And part of that had to do with, you know, Chance Comanche being out and some of their other injuries. But Bobby really turned that around um, in that second half was, was part of a team that was able to turn that around. And Sean mentioned how you kind of mimic the main staff's um, plays and the way they go about um, just playing basketball. And I'd add to that, that you don't even always have the roster to necessarily do that. Like Nimi has some passing case capabilities and stuff, but he's surely not Sabonis. And they wanted to play a really high paced game that is involves a lot around spacing. They didn't have great shooters, but shots started to go down a little bit later. Um, so I think adjusting to playing that style when you don't even have the most ideal talent to do so, obviously being a successful in doing that based on their regular season record, it's a credit to the Bobby. But my question to you guys would be, is there anybody that you saw on the coaching staff last year that you could see filling into that spot? Um, Cause I, I don't know for what certain people that would be viewed as what, where's the line where that's viewed as a promotion compared to other people that are maybe be already a step above that. Like, is it Luke Laux? I would imagine moving to front of the bench is a bigger role than being a G league head coach or is that right? I, I think it would be for some – well, it depends because, like, again, like Bobby's not new to this too. As a former player, uh, he's been on staffs before. He's been with Jaeger. He's he's was basically kind of tutored by Adelman at, at various – you know, with, with as a player in Houston and then, you know, what happened up in Minneapolis as well. So um, he's had a lot of uh, – he he's done a lot in, to 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 prove his way. Luke is such a young guy in this in this game, and uh, that him going to the front of the bench could be a great opportunity. But also rec- recognizing the fact that G League might propel it, uh, might take a bigger step forward in that regard than coming to the front of the bench because of the player development you've had with Fox already. Some of the, the his path has been so much different than Bobby's as a former player. So that could, you know, a role like that, whether he's coming to the front of the bench or not, already knowing what he means to Mike Brown, it's really going to be up to him. You know, being a member of Mike Brown's staff, he'll he'll tell him where he's where he needs him the most. And if that's on his staff, great. But he'll support a move going he would likely support a move going to the G League. Um if they feel that that would be a better springboard for him. So I think it kind of works twofold depending upon where you are in your career. And with Luke being so, so young, having the opportunity to take over the summer league team this year and kind of show head coaching role this summer will, will be big for him. Um, But I think if I was to guess, I think it would be better for him to remain on the staff of Mike Brown since he's still very, very new to this coaching coaching staff. Yeah, I agree, especially his connection to uh, to De'Aaron. I don't think you want to mess with that. I, I think right now, at least year one, you got it done. But year two, you still want to keep cementing the same stuff. You want De'Aaron Fox to realize who he was in the playoffs and, and keep building off of that. You don't want him to like take any steps back backwards at all. And so my guess would be that they're going to focus more on like either an outside candidate or someone else who's on the back of the bench that would like, maybe, maybe a Lindsay Harding would, would be willing to take that role. Maybe, you know, and that would be a great step, you know, she was a finalist before for that gig. And, you know, talking to Bobby, he'd love to see one of his staff members uh, take over. I mean, that's always what a head coach wants. Um, uh, That's certainly a possibility, but yeah, Lindsay, as James points out, I mean, 
definitely was a finalist. It would be a huge opportunity for her, but you know, ultimately they could also go outside, which is probably what they might do. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's get to uh let's get to a little draft chatter. Um, we already covered the Sasha stuff last week. He's fine. Uh, he, by the he way, played. Olympiacos played in a game today. Um, and if they won, they would have won the, the championship, the, the Greek, Greek league league finals. finals. Um, but about two minutes left in the third quarter, opposing teams fans were pissed that they were down 20 something, started throwing a bunch of crap on the court and game has been postponed. Oh, that's not good. Nobody got hit with a battery or anything. No, it sounds like everybody's all right, but they had to clear out. Giannis so, in attendance, all the Antetokounmpo's. Oh, oh, great. Uh, so was uh, Sasha's team was winning? Yes. Okay. And how, they would have they would have won the title if they won that game, which how, looked like was going to happen. How is he playing? Should should be it should be Antetokounmpo, right? If you're having plural Antetokounmpo's. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. That's that's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> that's difficult to say sean i'm i'm impressed a little i it took me a minute to get there i had to say it in my head you had to times. like write it down like yeah <laughs> phonetically spell it um yeah brendan uh what what did uh sasha have before the game was suspended yeah i'm trying to pull up the exact numbers um he had played 20 minutes 11 points with four rebounds two assists he paid 20 minutes in the game prior also um yeah. after just having that bone bruise and I believe that was game two um and, and he played uh, that was game four of the finals game four is that i right? think okay yeah i think they they were up. well today is game four. Oh, um but whenever that game was oh, i, I think it was game, game two um but is it, a best, it is a best of five it's a best so, of five yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. um so that but, was game yeah three. he ended up playing after his injury the game yeah. after a couple days later um, didn't have a great statistical performance, but was out there for 20 of the 40 minutes, which is encouraging yeah. in itself was moving fine. Um, and yeah, had played 20 minutes, a large majority of the game up to that point today. So, okay. Um, okay. So now we're, we're like getting down to it. We're exactly one week away from the NBA draft. Uh, Brennan and Sean and, uh, and I will all meet up at uh, golden one center. Oh, did, okay. did you see this for for draft no, night? No. Yeah, I, I was like, "What are we doing? What are you talking about? What are we about? doing? No, we're did just I commit going to, to draft night. No, <laughs> uh, no. Well, in in draft night last year, remember, I got COVID from somebody on draft night, uh, which was great. So I showed up two days later for Keegan Murray's introductory press conference and started to not feel good like halfway through the press conference. I was like, "Oh, that's not good." Uh, but I hadn't left the house. Yeah, I had been a shut in like I I typically am during the summer. Well, it's a new um, year. It's a new year. Um, okay, so we're getting down to it, though. Uh, like, there's a lot of prospects that are around the Kings' range. Do, do you guys have any favorites so far? Well, it's funny how we start the episode talking about trades that would almost surely involve the 24th pick, and then now we're going to go into draft <laughs> prospects, but I'm absolutely down to entertain the conversation. Um, I think there's some interesting upside guys. Um that could be considered. I just don't know that I would expect it. Um, CD Sissoko was somebody that I really like. Uh, Sean's mentioned Leonard Miller. I would love Leonard Miller. I just don't think he's going to be there. Um, I like CD Sissoko, another guy that played at the Ignite team. I think there's interesting playmaking on the offensive end. The shot is definitely a question, but there's some defensive versatility, sort of two, three, four, that I think is intriguing and something Sacramento could really use. Um, I think 
you know, I don't love Max Lewis, but I think offensively there's there's some interesting upside there. And then the guy that I've mentioned before is uh, Kobe Jones, who I think does a little bit of everything, sort of defends one to three, maybe not sort of the forward size that you would ideally like, but I still think that point of attack and perimeter defense on guards is something Sacramento could use more of. Shoots the ball well, playmakes, rebounds well for a guy his size, does a little bit of everything. So I've kind of come around to realizing there's probably about 10 or 15 guys' names that could be called, and I would talk myself into it pretty easily. Sean? And he, and he didn't mention the, the sacred cow. Who's the right. sacred cow? Chris Murray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like Chris Murray. I just wasn't going to do it. <laughs> I just got asked to like do this mock draft with somebody, and like if Chris Murray's there, I will refuse to pick him, even if I think he's the best one. Jeez, man. Just in the that's, box. That's that's pretty tough. Like I um consensus board, he's around 23-24, Murray. Yeah, I wonder why that is cuz no one knows shit about the fucking mock drafts. The, the draft, they just once yeah. it gets past 10, it's 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 just, you know, Crap plain hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I don't know. I I think so many of the, you know, I'm kind of right around the same uh as I have been, you know, obviously Leonard Miller is a guy that I've had a lot of interest in. I, I'm, I'm with you, Brendan. I, I don't don't think he'll be there when the Kings pick. Um, and I just think, you know, that type of talent is going um, uh, to be too too tough for a lot of those teams to pass up in, in that range. Uh, I'm very, very interested in Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, I, I also don't think he'll be there for the Kings. Um, so a lot of the guys that I tend to like the most just probably aren't in the cards, so to speak. But uh, probably spent, of all the players over the past uh week i think the guy i've been watching the most has been guys like jalen wilson and olivier maxence prosper um certainly like what a lot of things that they do um i i wouldn't say i'm in love with with any of them but yeah there's a lot of just intriguing um just intriguing you know prospects out there and and things where you can see <clears throat> excuse me where they could fill a need for sure yeah. Okay. So Sean, you bring up a couple of guys that I, I just absolutely love. So, uh, yeah. Omax, I, I'm big on Omax, but Omax. we're going to call him Omax. Well, that's I what like he goes, that. but that's, that's his yeah. name, his nickname, which is why, like, I think you have to take him just to, just because of that. Um, like, <laughs> like Omax is too cool. Um, you bring up Leonard Miller. I like, first of all, I don't understand. I don't understand how Leonard Miller, could like on a lot of draft boards, he's mid twenties at this point. Like, why is he not like the number six or number seven pick in the draft? Like I'm completely, I'm watching him play. I'm looking at his stats. I go to the measurements and I'm like, uh, what exactly am I missing? And so if he somehow tumbled to 24, like the Kings should jump all over that i mean without shoes six nine and a quarter uh so what are we looking at like six ten and a half almost six eleven uh seven foot two wingspan he averaged 18 points 11 rebounds 55.6 from the field 32.7 percent from three he's got defensive versatility he moves like pascal siakam but rebounds much better like I, i'm watching this like i don't understand how he's not a top 10 pick and maybe even a lot higher than that in this year's draft. And I know this is a good draft. I, I don't care. Like, I'm just surprised because then you get to other guys and you're like, okay, what exactly am I watching here? Like, who is this guy? Uh, like Noah Clowney. And I'm like, 
what in the like how could he be anywhere near the same type of tier of prospect at the same like very similar age as a guy like uh like miller so i'm confused by that uh trace uh jackson davis absolutely love him like uh, if he's there like brennan and i were discussing this earlier oh if he makes it to 38 i'm like i just take him at 24 i think you can get him at 24 like why not basically he project i mean all of his stats 20 and 10 with four rebounds i mean four assists uh 2.9 blocks per game doesn't shoot the three at all took three three pointers in his entire four years at ohio state i mean at indiana that's it um but outside of that he's got a lot of the same exact tendencies of demonis sabonis like he's great in the dho He's too left-handed, but um, and then he's got pop. So we're talking about a guy who blocks shots, who's got a seven-foot-one wingspan. Um, that's where I'm kind of at. I, I like the uh, the mantra that I've heard a lot of the Kings people inside say that they like to draft what they know, not what they can project. And I think there is something to projecting guys and like seeing what you can if you can find a diamond in the rough. Um, but I really like a diamond a diamond in the rough at number 38 not at number 24 like i think you can take a big time swing in this year's draft at number tw- at number 38 and come away with a player that you're really going to like at the g league level and could develop um, but that number 24 pick i think there are some players that could fit into your rotation maybe towards the end of this season or next season for sure but players that i i think have some like big time potential so am i crazy with that no. And I, I think there's some guys you could look at like Derek Whitehead is one where I think, you know, he's a phenomenal three point shooter and you mm-hmm. know, you get that skill and then you do still have some potential upside there as well. A guy that was a lot higher rated and looked at in a different light coming out of high school, uh, but has suffered with some injuries at Duke that make you question sort of how much that played a factor in his production, but you still have that safety net of, okay, at very least he's going to be a great three point shooter. And I think there's some middle ground guys like that as well. Hmm. Yeah. I I think um, like we're going to see a lot of teams look for the Bruce Brown type guys in this draft because Bruce Brown was so influential in uh, the Denver Nuggets win. And you're going to start, you're going to have teams that are looking for that, that two, three combo guy, which is what you're kind of talking about. Like it's possible. He kind of fits that mold. The same with, uh, CD Sissoko. It's possible that he could fit that type of mold. Although I, I like Sissoko has got a really, really nice feel as a passer. Um, and you know, he's a G league night guy that I think was just overshadowed by scoot and by Leonard Miller. And so he didn't really have a, an opportunity but I'm watching some of his passing skills and they're just incredible. And uh, especially with Eric Mika. And that tells me that like, if you put him in a team with like a seasoned guy who knows how to run uh, that, if you can find ways to get that guy, the ball and, and finish uh, then you might, it might translate a little bit better the passing skills. So. And the Ignite guys have context of like all three of their main prospects are not good shooters. Like Scoot is okay, um, but Leonard Miller's not a good shooter. Like they they all have potential there, but that context of just poor spacing in the Ignite, I think, is important when anybody looks at that stuff. One of their best shooters was was Pooch Edder. Hmm. King's legend. Hanging him up, right? 
Kings. Yeah, he's hanging it up and uh, taking over the uh, Portland Trailblazers um, G League squad. This is the first year the Trailblazers will have a G League squad, right? Oh. Yeah, how about that? That's, yeah, I think they're the last one. Yeah, were they the playing? Were, yeah, the Kings had one of their guys last year. I forget who. Uh, where are they playing? Are they playing like Bend? Sure. <laughs> like, where do you Bend? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, you got to play somewhere. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Is that it? Do we have any other any other news to go over? Sacramento Kings related? The new beam? You guys see how about new that? Beam? It was bright. Shit was bright. Does it look blue or purple? It well to me it looked purple. I mean, yeah. I saw some pictures that did kind of look a little bluish, but it's uh got a little thick, got a little bright, you know. There's uh I don't know. It's it, by the way, the just cleaning that up, they're the G League team's gonna play in North Portland. North Portland. Okay. Yeah. University of Portland campus. Child oh, cool. Center. Yeah. All right. But um no, it was that, that thing's that thing was bright. I was turned on, man. It was, uh, and I, I'm waking up to today, and uh, I knew I, I had to run down and do some errands, so I was missing <clears throat> most of the uh, Nuggets parade. But Michael Malone was in full, full effect. By the way, I was, you know, not not a humble brag here, but it was just you, people talk about, you know, how much they miss Michael Malone, what type of character he is, and then you see a, a moment like this, and was able to exchange lucky enough to exchange a couple texts with him. I did not expect to, to hear back from him at all. And uh, that man is in, he's on cloud nine, man, <laughs> just cloud nine. And it was uh, uh, really appreciate. I, I, I heard from, you know, shout out to Travis Armenta, Ryan Bowen, Elvis uh, on the coaching staff, uh, Val Soral, and just incredible, incredible dudes that, that uh, all had time here in Sacramento and uh, now, their champions so and it's just funny to see him pulling bruce brown he's like he ain't going nowhere <laughs> that's probably not yeah i mean they're no. gonna have to pay but that guy's gonna make what he'll make mid-level he'll make 12 million yeah i i text back and forth with michael too just like super excited um i'm like what an incredible victory i mean to be the it's one thing to snap a 16 year playoff drought it's another thing to go out and get the first championship in a in a franchise's history after 50 something years so just absolutely tremendous and Jokic tremendous like all of like they had so many guys step up in big moments um you know michael porter they they were saying oh you know can you keep starting him and after like the first two games and then he comes up and has some big moments and uh you know i i just thought like a really really nice team effort uh jamal murray was tremendous and but all the assists that he had in the last couple of games and, um, and Aaron Gordon, uh, you know, you gotta, if you're the Kings, those are some of the missing ingredients are guys like Aaron Gordon's uh, guys like Bruce Brown. Uh, you got to find ways to, to go out and get those guys right now. Cause you might have some of the other pieces uh, in place and some different pieces and some pieces that are as good or better in certain spots, but uh, you still need those role players that don't mind doing all the dirty work and, that's kind of the, the one thing that I would point to that the Kings have to find in this offseason. Go get two or three of those gritty dudes that really, they don't stuff the stat sheet, but they they put in such quality, high-quality minutes that uh, they can change the trajectory of a team long-term. So, uh, Denver lost four games the whole postseason. Four. The I Kings know. lost four games. Like, <laughs> it, losing four games is... The whole postseason is ridiculous. They were extremely impressive. And obviously all the guys you mentioned were great. I, I do 
enjoy seeing like DeAndre Jordan, Jeff Green, Ish Smith, guys that have been around the league for a long time, a lot of different teams getting to celebrate this. KCP seemed like he's having the time of his life. Him and Aaron Gordon. Oh, man. Parade. KCP was good. Yeah. 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 Hey, that's what I would um, do if I won an NBA championship. Yeah. yeah, he did the two. He did the Stone Cold Steve Austin, smash the beer cans. I don't think he drank any of it. No, he just wore it. Yeah. <laughs> and then he chucked the cans. was hilarious. <laughs> the fan That's that crazy. threw it, it was a great throw. I think a fan threw it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's mm. impressive. Uh, I also, uh, on another note, I, I did see through social media, I saw uh, Vivek Ranadive checking out the uh, Wemby's, uh, Victor Wembanyama's Mets, and also taking a picture with Chima Moneki. Um, if you go to Chima's yeah. uh instagram account you can see the picture there but it reminded me of the uh picture that vivek took when they cut jimmer for dead <laughs> like on the way out they took a picture together um but kind of funny to see that that the two pose for a picture up there and somewhere in france right where they're, yeah, where they're... A- as monaco just beat uh mets 92 and victor's team for the i hope i say this right bectic elite championship it's the french league championship they just won today and I guess Vivek was How about that. And didn't who, play, but he's on who's the, the other the other uh, Kulabali. Oh yeah, Kulabali yeah. is there, and I, but he's skyrocketing up boards. It looks like. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's sounding more and more likely like he's going to go lottery or or top twelve and up. Yeah, he he's got a, a big time buzz, a, like crazy measurements, and he's another guy. Like he he's put up big stats. Like when I was bringing up L- Leonard Miller. Leonard Miller average like his stats in the last 15 games of the season are crazy, which shows you that he learned and he got better. I mean, he had a 30 and 11 game, like just well, and that didn't. And Scoot also shut it down, right? Scoot stopped playing uh, about with like a month remaining, I think yeah. it was, or something like that. So could have provided a little bit more opportunity for him to be a little bit more showcased. What do you guys think, Scoot? Uh, number two, number three? He'd be my number two. Yeah, he should go number two. I don't know if he will, but he should. I agree, hundred like, percent. Do you think there'd be any uh, think any trades there? I mean, I, I know we're literally a week out. Um, I've seen. Do, do you I, see I mean, any movement? A lot of people are talking about the Pelicans, and it'd be like Ingram, I guess. But I just doesn't trying to get scoop. Uh, I I don't see. I don't know. Um, there would definitely be trades. I'm expecting. I mean, Portland would make a lot of sense. Brandon Miller also does make a lot of sense in Portland, though. What about Zion? Because that's the other one. Know. Like it, it sounds more and more like they're done with Zion. I'm not trading if you're, Brandon Miller. I'm done. But I'm here's the thing. Let, let's put you as the GM of any team in the league, okay? Not taking him. Yeah, I, why would you? I mean, look, I, a big well, dude why? with, with foot he, problems. But when he plays, what? he is MVP. Cal, like, he's ridiculous. Yeah, but Brendan, like, ridiculous. project it. Like, how how well, much you have can. you seen him play? Right. You can't. Like, but, but when I, he does I, play, he he's ridiculous. Yeah, so, yeah. Look, like, there was a... um. Last night, I think the Ringer put out uh, a rather, I don't think it was controversial. I mean, look, player lists are stupid, but I gave it far too much attention than I should have when I was last night. I think I spent an hour kind of pining over it. And like seeing Kawhi Leonard in the top 10 of the league's players on this list made me, made my my brain go numb. Like we haven't seen him play more than 60 games in six five years. Six. Five, yeah. five or six years, something Oof. like that. And it's and and like I'm sorry you you don't you're not in the top you're not in the top like I love Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard don't get me wrong but 
if you can't play, you can't play, you know? And if you're not, and with Zion, big dudes and, and, and foot injuries just are the death nail. So I hope, you know, I hope he bucks the trend and becomes, has a fruitful career, but so far, no good, right? Like it's, it's a, it's not a good situation for that franchise. And I just don't know how you're going to give up a, a whole lot to bring in somebody like Zion Williamson, who the faith of him being able to, to play a full season is just not there. Yeah, I'm not touching him with a 10 foot pole like he had the hamstring issue. It, it's one thing after another. It, it, I'm not worried about the off the court shit, James. I was wondering I'm if you were going to say it. Okay, no, good. I, no, no, I don't care about that. I mean, like, okay. look, that's the NBA. Like, if right. people don't understand that, that's the NBA. That guy just got outed for it yeah. uh, for being. You that's know, professional that sports, guy. sir. That's professional yeah. that's the NBA. That's professional sports. Yeah, but I mean, we've been around that. At, like, we've been around the locker room long enough to know, like that's, that's not atypical. Like there's a lot of things that are going on in an NBA locker room that are like in line with what happened with Zion. I mean, like we went through that situation with Dante green here in Sacramento, uh, where all of a sudden, like all these baby pictures popping up on the internet, like, Hey, this is your kid. And it was like, Ooh, uh, let's, you know, it, it's tough. But at the same time, like, look, I, I just don't trust him as a player. I don't care how good he is when he plays. You're only as good at, you know, if you, if you can't play, you're not helping anyone. And he just gets big every single time. You know, they have that clause now that he has to have yeah. he, his weight and body fat have to be below 295. Nope, not happening. That's not where he is right now. Every time I've seen a picture of him, there's just no way. So... Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't bank anything on him. Although, you know, if he you get him for a, a song, I, I guess maybe, but they're trying to move up all the way to the top five. I, this can be wild. Like it sure does feel like it, doesn't it? The Bradley Beal stuff, the Kyrie Irving stuff, the James Harden stuff. I, I think we can just keep going. I mean, or it could be nothing at all. That's yeah. true. We expected fireworks last draft and didn't really get that from Sacramento's perspective. Um, but I mean, I think you could look at the other guys on that Washington roster. You know, I think it's uh, Michael Winger who just took over. I think technically the title is president of monumental basketball, uh, yeah, which is, is ridiculous, which is just crazy run, title. running the uh, wizards and the mystics, I believe it is. And then he also has, uh, I don't know why I don't remember the name of the guy that came from OKC as well. That's going to be his GM there. Um, and it seems like, Ownership has given them free well to rebuild if that's the way they want to go about it. And look at oh, okay. Kyle, Kyle Kuzma, I think it's interesting. Yeah, for they sure. They hired the guy from Sacramento. He He's from Sacramento, the guy they, they brought in. I yeah. can't remember his name either. Yeah, Kyle Kuzma, I, I'm kind of down on, but like... Will Dawkins. What What is it? One more time. Will Dawkins. Okay, I thought that's he's from Sacramento. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Um, we'll have to go to Jill Adge on that. She's the front office personnel person. And then Travis um, Schlank as well. Oh, and he, they brought in Schlank. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Bay, yeah, Bay Area guy. Um, sweet. Okay. Uh, let's do final thoughts. Uh, Sean, what do you got? What do I got? I've got about five days and no, wait, one, two, three, four, about four days in San Diego coming up. Uh, send me all your taco margarita beachside cantina recommendations because i'm gonna veg before this uh 
draft gets going next week looking forward to it and then uh yeah you got california classic really right after that maybe a little bit of a you know summer league mini camp uh for a couple days before that would be a little nice to see and uh yeah be pumping out content so be fun to fun to catch up with those uh folks i know next um I got. I had a lot of UFC coverage coming up too. Um, there's a fight in Jacksonville where uh, the headliner is Josh Emmett from Sacramento, bouncing back after that uh, loss he took in uh, Australia back in March. And also on that card, the co-main event, his teammate from Sac, uh, who trains here in Sacramento, Jacksonville, Colorado, is Macy, the future barber. So her goal is to be the youngest women's uh, champion ever in the flyweight division. Check her out. Hmm. Okay, Brennan, what do you got? Final thoughts. I'm excited. Drafts around the corner. It feels weird to me. I guess this is typically how it works, but that the you know parade is today, and we're a week away from the draft. I guess <laughs> just a quick turnaround. Uh, everybody says there's no off season. You definitely feel that, and excited to get some new people on Sacramento's roster to get to know better. Whether that means draft or trade, it's you know approaching quickly. And I love all these leaks. All this stuff's exciting for me. Um, yeah. This is a fun time of year. I love off season. Fun, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, someone can just go, "Hey, interest here." Blah 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 blah, and it just puts you down a rabbit hole. Yeah. I suppose. I don't. I don't. Just, just beware. Don't take too much from it. Someone can yeah. just throw anything out there and see what sticks. Just no, thought I, exercises. I learn you, yeah. from your past. Learn from your past. <laughs> I I keep hearing these exact like again and again same exact rumors like all right all right I I've even heard one I'm not gonna mention uh yeah I, I'm not well I'm not and, and a lot of them it's like when it's like yes you should have interest in that player he's a good player he would make you incrementally better like go do he it will yeah yeah, yeah certain totally. certain guys yeah and it's go go do it try and find a way to to land that player that's that's what they're hired to do is to try to land top tier talent so yep. Okay, uh, let's see. I'm going to finish up with this. Uh, this is the first of two podcasts this week. I actually, when we get done here, I am recording another podcast with Eric Pincus, who is a salary cap expert and one of the best in the business. Absolutely spectacular when it comes to salary cap. So we'll be able to break down all of the craziness that's happening with the Sacramento Kings and um, what uh, you know, whether they're going to be a, a pure cap space team, a room with a room exception, or how they can fit Sasha Vazenkov and multiple players into the mid-level exception. Uh, maybe what Harrison Barnes might be worth on the on the open market, but uh, that'll be later this week. Outside of that, be safe, enjoy the sunshine because it's coming. Um, I do. I am going on vacation uh, next Saturday, um, but. We probably will still, we'll have two podcasts next week. And then I might do a podcast on location where I'm going to be uh, with the family. So warm weather, beachy climate. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're going to Puerto Vallarta with some friends. That is warm weather, beachy climate. Indeed. I love Puerto yeah. Vallarta. Very, very muggy, but uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun. I, I fun, haven't been, but I'm. I'm looking forward to it because we haven't taken a vacation in a long time because of the shutdowns and all that stuff. And we use a little bit of a break from just being here at the house all day long. I got so. very inebriated in that city. Uh, took a tequila. And imagine tour. Uh, oh. Would recommend, would recommend. Uh, it was fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. All right. All right. 
Well, that is going to do it for this edition of the King's Beat Podcast. We will be back. Uh, we'll have another episode in a couple of days. Probably on Saturday, we'll put out the Eric Pincus interview. Um, but uh, make sure to tune in. We'll have all kinds of draft coverage coming up, all kinds of free agency coverage coming up, and uh, lots of good stuff. So jump on board with the King's Beat. Go to thekingsbeat.com. Become a premium subscriber to get invited to the happy hour and to get access to all of the other information that we put out. Uh, thanks for supporting us here on the King's Beat. Give us a thumbs up if you don't mind. Subscribe to the channel here on YouTube. Uh, give us rating and reviews wherever you listen to your podcast. So that's going to do it for this edition of the King's Beat Podcast for Box 40, Sean Cunningham and Brendan Nunes from the King's Pulse Podcast. I am James Ham, King's Insider for ESPN 1320, the King's Beat. We'll see you very soon.